You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Extreme Makeover, You Edition, Part 6. Enjoy. All right. Father, we stand on your promise this morning that we are your sons and daughters. That there is no condemnation for us. That we've been washed clean. That we've been made righteous in your sight. That we have been healed and made whole. That we are going forward into the fullness of your plan for our lives. Through your word and by your spirit. We're going all the way we will fulfill your destiny for our lives. You are accomplishing the things that concern us. You are working all things out for our good. We say bye-bye stress. Bye-bye worry. Bye-bye anxiety. The peace of the Lord is ours. And we thank you for the peace of Christ guarding our hearts and our minds. The peace of Christ that is a garrison around our hearts and minds which surpasses knowledge. We thank you for your peace pervading our lives. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing more of Christ to us right now. We receive it all. We're leaving here today stronger with more of you in our lives than we've ever known before. And we thank you, Father, for it is your good pleasure. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're so glad you're here. Welcome to Highway Church. It's so good to see you. It is a good day. Hallelujah. Boy, God loves you so much. I mean, it's just crazy, and he, he doesn't, doesn't ever change that. Isn't that amazing, right? He's always um, fixed on you. His, his thoughts about you are more than you can even count. And I can count pretty high. I mean, I got up to 25 or 30 at least, right? But his thoughts outnumber the grains of sand regarding you. I mean, that's someone who really wants the absolute best for you. Hallelujah. Thank you. We're so glad you're here. Are you ready to receive everything he has for you this morning? Awesome. Good. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're in a series this morning called Extreme Makeover, You Edition. And we're, we're, we reference back to the old TV show called Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And the, we, we, we used to really have fun watching that show. There is a dream team of builders and designers that were assembled to bless people and to give them a new home. I mean, how fun is that, right? Well, there's been a dream team assembled for you that the ultimate builder and designer, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he desires to bless you and to bring you into a life more wonderful than you've ever imagined. In fact, God loves you so much that he went to great lengths, he paid a great price to provide for you a brand new life. Isn't that amazing? He loves you so much that he's made a new life available to you, and it's through simple faith in Jesus Christ. Speaking of construction, you want to hear a couple good construction jokes? 
you guys know why the roofer did, well, actually, this roofer was somewhat of a gossip, and uh, he was kind of nosy, and do you know why this nosy roofer did such a bad job? Because he kept eavesdropping. <laughs> yeah, we should bring your snare and a cymbal. <laughs> Uh, now, I had a cousin that used to work on a road team when I was growing up, and uh, he was accused of stealing on his job. And I, I never would have believed that my cousin was stealing from his road worker job until I uh, went over his home and all the signs were there. <laughs> all right, little pause for the cause there. All right, very good. So God is m- much better than my sense of humor. He's amazing. And he has a new life for you. It's a life of laughter. It's a life of joy. It's a life of not being afraid anymore. Not being concerned with others think of you. Not letting the fear of man uh, move you to do something, to make a decision. It's a life of freedom. And we're living it, baby. We're living it right here, right now. Right? We're set free. And this new life that God has for you is a life of wholeness. And he wants to lead you right into the center of it. That's his plan for you, to lead you into a whole and complete life. He's already furnished the provision for it, and he's thinking big. Big. So if there's anything standing in the way between you and the whole and complete life that God has for you, it's time to move that bus, right? Get out of the way. It's time for wholeness in my life. It's time for me to go forward and live the abundant life Christ came to give me. Now, last week in our series, we learned that this new life brings with it a new identity. You can't live a new life without a new identity. Your identity is who you are, right? Let's go a little deeper in this this concept of our identity. Your identity is who you are. Your identity is who you see yourself to be. Okay? Let's go a little deeper. Your identity is who you see yourself connected to. Who you are has to be connected to someone else. Isn't that interesting? There is no one that is an isolated individual. They can live up on the top of a mountain with, with the, the nearest town, you know, 100 miles away. But no one is an isolated individual. All of us are connected to someone. Why is our identity connected to someone? Because we didn't create ourselves. If I created myself, then I wouldn't need to be connected to anyone else. But the truth is, we didn't create ourselves. And that which is created is connected to the Creator, right? 
There was a famous English poet, and, and a phrase from one of his poems has been used over the years, and it's this phrase, no man is an island. You ever heard that phrase? What's that mean? We're all connected to someone, right? Whether we realize it or not. Now, our true identity, who we really are, is realized when we understand who we're connected to. Now, I'm going to say something that's not politically correct. Is that all right? Do you know being politically correct won't set you free? It won't. In fact, it'll bind you up. Politically correctness teaches you to be weak. You say, weak? Why weak? Because love is not easily offended. Right? 1 Corinthians 13, love is not easily offended in the Amplified. What political correctness does is teach you to be easily offended. They didn't address me properly, right? They didn't call me by the right name, right? It doesn't matter how people call you or how they see you. It's how your heavenly Father sees you, what he calls you. That's where our confidence comes from. That's where our self-esteem comes from, right? So here it is. Are you ready? You're either connected to God or Satan. This is, this is really a positive message today, so stay with me. It's really good. I'm going I'm to take it a little deeper. Either God is your father or Satan is. You know, you can't be connected to God and Satan. Impossible. There is no middle ground. So either God is your father or Satan is. Now, this is interesting. You might say, well, wait a minute. I, I thought God created man. And the, the creation is connected to the creator. Well, that's true. God did create us, and we were connected to him. When God made the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, they were connected to him. He was their father. But God made man in his image. That's why man is so creative, right? Because we were made in the image of the creator. So he gets all the glory for our creativity, doesn't he? Yeah. Right? So he made man in his image, and he gave man this unique ability among everything else on earth. It was the ability to change our connection, to change our identity. It's called free will. No one else has this. Angels have it, but no one else on earth has it. No other created being. So he gave us this ability to, to, to make up our own mind. We don't live by instinct. We live by the, the exercise of our free will. And something happened to man. Adam exercised his free will, and he chose to exalt the words of Satan above the words of his father, God. And that's a big deal. In essence, he put his faith in Satan over his father. And when he did that, a connection was broken. And his identity was changed. He went from being connected to God as his father to connected to Satan as his father. And 
not only did it affect Adam and Eve, but it was after this identity change, after this connection change, that evil entered mankind. It's when we see the first murder take place. What was the first murder recorded in the Bible? Cain murdering Abel, right? Yeah. Why did they do that? Because they now were connected to their father, Satan. And the nature of Satan is murder. Hatred. Isn't that what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10? Right? The thief comes only to steal, murder, destroy. Right? Stay with me. This is a good message. It's going to help you so much. We've got to talk about some tough stuff to get to, to get to where we need to be here. So this is Satan's nature. Man became connected to it. But not only did it affect the human race, it affected the entire earth. The earth became corrupt and covered in sin. It was never God's plan for, for uh, animals to attack uh, other animals or people. It was never God's plan for poisonous things to be on the earth. Did you know that? Yeah. It was never God's plan, plan to, to have to get mosquito spray. Right? God didn't create earth with pests and poisonous things like that. Things got twisted when the curse of sin hit the earth. It's important to understand that. We're not living in paradise anymore. This is not our home. It's a fallen world, and it is falling apart. Now, from Adam until Jesus rose from the dead, men and women were living on earth with Satan as their father. Wow. There was no way to change that connection until Jesus rose from the dead. All right? So that's the, it's important. To re, when you're reading in the Old Covenant, you've got to understand that. You're, you're, you're reading about dead people. They had a covenant with God, but that was through the blood of bulls and goats. They weren't new creations like we are. All right? So before, well, let's look at this. Let's look in John. Let's go to John chapter 8. It's amazing. Jesus knew this. He recognized this. And he said some pretty stunning things. You know Jesus is love, right? And one of the scriptures I like from Proverbs, uh, I never forget the reference. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. In other words, Jesus will tell you the truth because he loves you, right? He doesn't sugarcoat it because he wants you to be free. So John chapter 8, verse 44. John 8, I'm going to read it to you. So Jesus, now John 8 is a powerful chapter. And there are, if you read the chapter, there are people, it says disciples of Christ. You know more people followed him than just the 12 disciples, right? There were the 12, there were the 70, and then there were massive crowds. Well, some of those disciples followed him for a while, and then they started getting irritated with him and started uh, turning against him. Because Jesus did some amazing things. He did three things predominantly in his ministry, teaching, preaching, and healing. And some of it made people mad. I mean, he maimed people were made whole through Jesus. He's the same today, right? The dead were raised. And he did it all without requiring any of the, anything from them other than faith. This made religious people very mad. And in John chapter 8, these religious people starting, why are religious people mad at Jesus? 
It's still true today. I think one of the reasons is because they want you to go through their system. And here comes Jesus, uh, saying, and someone says, what must I do to be holy? He says, only believe. No! you got to come and go through my system. We spent hundreds of years building this system, right? Religious people get angry at the simplicity of Christ. And that's exactly what's happening right here. And look what Jesus says to him. Boy, is he amazing. He says, you are of your father, the devil. Oh, my. Hello, nice to meet you. How are you? Right? You're of the, your father. He's talking that they wanted to kill him, didn't they? If you read this, right? You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. Because you're connected to him. His nature's in you. Okay? Whoever your father is, that's whose nature you have in you. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. So don't listen to him. Don't listen to darkness. There's no truth in there. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. I like that. <laughs> That's all he has. For he is a liar and the father of it. Oh boy. That's amazing. So last week I asked you guys a question, and let's revisit that. Now, if, you, if you're here, and with your heart, you have believed that God raised Jesus from the dead for you, and with your mouth, you have opened your mouth and confessed Jesus as your Lord, would you raise your hand if you've done that? All right. For all of you who've raised your hand, you need to know that you have been reborn. You have been born again, is one of the ways that the Bible says it in John 3. But it was by God's grace, through faith, okay? It was a gift, and we can't earn it. When you're truly born of him, now, you know, you can say, yeah, I believe that God raised from the dead, and Jesus, you're my Lord, and not mean it, nothing's going to happen, Okay? You have to really mean it. It has to be sincere. It has to be real faith with your real heart, okay? But if you've really done it, if you've meant it with your whole heart and you said it of your own free will, okay, then you are made new. The moment you said that, the Holy Spirit made your spirit brand new. And when you're born of Him, you will see a change in your nature, without anyone really having to tell you anything. In fact, when you're really born of him, your desires will begin to change. It's amazing how this happens. If you're born of the Holy Spirit, if you're connected to God as your Father now, then you have a new nature. Let's think of this again. Here I am. See, b before I gave my life to Jesus in 1989, Satan was my father. Interesting, huh? But it's true. When I decided to believe in Christ, that God raised him from the dead for me, 
And of my own free will, no one made me do it. I believe that with my heart. And I open up my mouth and I said, Jesus, be Lord of my life. At that moment, the mir- I know of no better miracle than this. My dead, sin-filled, filthy spirit was completely made new by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not because I was some great person, but because God is a great God. And He loved me with a great love. From that moment, my father changed. My connection and identity changed. I went from being a son of Satan to a son of God. It's amazing how this happens. And my nature changed. It became a righteous nature. We're going to get into some good stuff here, so stay with me. In other words, I began to desire good things like I never desired them before. And and someone wasn't standing there telling me that you need to do this, you need to do that. My desires began to change. doesn't mean I did everything right, but this new nature began to rise up in me. Now, it's possible as a new creation in Christ, as a son and daughter of God, it's possible to fall back into sin. It's possible to struggle with, to overcome it. It's possible. And probably the primary reason a new creation, a believer, struggles with sin is they don't realize who they really are in Christ. They don't realize that sin has no power over them anymore. All right? When you receive Christ, the power of sin is destroyed in your life. And God's nature is deposited, planted inside of you. I mean, another reason, that's usually the main reason, another reason may be they're just not pursuing Christ with their whole heart. Right? This, this new life we're living is not a passive life. We're all in. We're all in. Right? We're passionately pursuing Christ 24-7. Right? We're red hot for Him. So when you begin to realize who you are in Christ, the wait a minute, God is my Father now. I've just entered the royal family of the universe that my Father is the King of kings. It begins to change the way you behave. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3. Everyone still awake? We're talking about, about some stuff here that's so good, and we're going to read some scriptures that can be really misunderstood, but stay with me. By the time we're done, you're going to be stronger. It's so good, the love of God. What are we doing? We're learning about this new life. We're learning about our new identity, who we are and who we're not. We're not sinners anymore. I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard ministers and Christians say that I'm a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner, but now you're saved by grace. You're a new creation in Christ now. All right? So you've got to know who you are. All right, verse 1 of chapter 3. Let's get into this. This is good. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Wow, I like that. That we should be called children of God. And that is 
what we are. Our connection to Satan is broken forever. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. See the connection there, us and him? Dear friends, now we are children of God. Right now. Not when we get to heaven. Now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. We haven't seen the whole picture when Christ returns. It's going to be beyond what we've imagined. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Ooh, I like to imagine what that's going to be like. Verse 3, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. How pure? Just as he is pure. Same two verses in the Weiss translation. Behold, what exotic love. <laughs> What's exotic out of this world? What exotic love the Father has permanently bestowed upon us to the end that we may be named children of God. And we are. On this account, the world does not have an experiential knowledge of us because it has not come into an experiential knowledge of him. See? Yeah, that's a major connection, right? He's our father. We've experienced him as father. They haven't, so they're not going to understand, right? Number two, who are we? We're divinely loved ones. We're now born ones of God. Mm. You're going to think of yourself this way this, this week, right? I'm a divinely loved one. I'm a now born one of God. Hallelujah. Let's go back to let's go on here to verse 4, back to the New American Standard. Everyone, now, now hold on a minute. I'm going to read this. I want to pay because different translations, you can misunderstand this. So I, we got the New American Standard here says, everyone who practices sin. Well, what does that mean? When I practice my guitar, I have a purpose. And of my own free will, I do it over and over and over again. It's not saying uh, that, that if you're a believer, you can't sin or make a mistake. That, that, that if you've sinned, then you're not a believer. That doesn't make sense. It's saying everyone who with a purpose, who purposefully... With, with intent of their own free will, practices sin, okay? Also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. Okay, let's go on. This is from the New International Version. But you know that Jesus appeared so that he might take away our sins. And boy, did he ever. And in him is no sin. He has a sinless nature, and guess what? If you're born again, you do too. Oh, I covered my mic. If you're born again, you do too. Right? Let's keep reading. No one who lives in him, that's a 24-7 thing, right? We're living in him. We live in him. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning purposefully, intentionally. Continually. No one who continues to sin 
has either seen him, revelation, or known him, intimacy. Okay? You know, you could come to church your whole life and, not, and never have seen him or known him. Yeah. Religion can't get you there. This is real life. This is your heart and God's heart becoming one. All right? So this is not about religion. This is about your heart and God's heart. So when, you have, when, you, when you've seen him, when he's been revealed to you by the Holy Spirit, and when you've come into an intimate relationship with him, you can't keep on sinning. You can't do it. Not possible. Let's look at the Weiss translation. Stay with us. This is good. This is so good. This helps us understand this verse a little better. It says, everyone who habitually commits sin purposefully, repeatedly, over and over, also habitually commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. Verse 5. And you know absolutely. I like that. We know absolutely that that one, that's Jesus, Jesus was manifested in order that he might take away our sins. How good of a job did he do? Perfect, right? He did it. He defeated sin. And sin in him does not exist. Can I flip your lid? Sin in me does not exist because I'm born of him. Sin in you does not exist. Because I, I know the, the, the religious alarm has been sounded. The religious police are on their way. Did he just say sin in me doesn't exist? Yes. We're going to see this. Keep, keep going. All right? You're a, you have a new nature now. That doesn't mean I, ha- I can't sin or I haven't sinned. Right? I, I've made mistakes and I've sinned. But it's not my nature anymore. The power of it's been broken in my life. Okay? Let's keep reading. And, you, and I know that absolutely. Let's go back to that verse 5. I know it absolutely. You've got to know absolutely that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus or the devil will, will have your number. He'll confuse you. We know it absolutely. Okay, verse 6. Everyone who in him is constantly abiding. That's a key right there, right? Constantly abiding is not habitually sinning. Everyone who's constantly sinning has not, with discernment, seen him. I like this translation. It's pretty cool. Has not, with discernment, seen him, nor has he known him. That's eternal life. John 17, 3. This is eternal life that they might know you. Right? It's about knowing him. When you know him, you receive victory over sin. Nor has he known him with the result. What's the result of not seeing him, of not knowing him? The result is that that condition of habitually sinning is true of him at present. In other words, if I haven't had a revelation, if I haven't seen who he really is, if I haven't entered into an intimate relationship with him, I'm destined to keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again. I haven't been set free from sin. Let's go to verse 7, back to the New American Standard. Little kiddos. Let, uh, what, I got the different, what I got here. Little children, let no one deceive you is what I have. Oh, there we go. 
Here we go. Little children, let no one deceive you. How can someone deceive you? What does that mean? Let no one cause you to believe something that's not true. Don't let anybody do that to you. Regardless of what position they may hold, how famous they might be, how large their ministry might be, don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let anyone get you to believe something that's not true. The one who practices, remember I practice my guitar, I purposefully do it over and over again. The one who practices righteousness habitually commits righteousness. In other words, the one who does righteous things because it's coming out of their nature. You seeing that? Because it's coming out of their nature is righteous. Just as he is righteous. That's pretty righteous, right? Can't get more righteous than that. Verse 8, the one who practices sin, again, the one who sins because it's coming out of their nature, they're habitually committing it, is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. When you put your faith in Christ, the power of sin is destroyed in your life. Verse 9, no one who is born of God practices habitually commits, purposefully does over and over again, sin. Okay? Because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin. What? What? He cannot sin. Why? Because he is born of God. Because you have a new nature. That's greater than sin. Isn't this wonderful? If you are born again, sin is not in your nature anymore. That doesn't mean your flesh doesn't need to be disciplined. See, when we receive Christ, our spirit was made new, not our mind or our body. We need to bring, we renew our mind with the Word of God and bring our body under the subjection to our recreated spirit. But it's not in our nature anymore. All right? Let's go on to verse 9 in the message. Oh, boy, is this good. Same verse in the message. You ready? People conceived and brought into life by God don't make a practice of sin. No way. How could they? Good question. God's seed is deep. Deep within them making them who they are. It's not in the nature of the God-begotten to practice and parade sin. Oh, I like that. Let's look at it in the Weiss translation. Verse 9. Everyone who has been born out of God with the present result that he is a born one of God does not habitually commit sin because God's seed remains in him and he is not able habitually to sin because out of God he has been born with the present result that he is a born one of God. Man, that's powerful. You're a born one of God. Verse 10, I like it. It says, in this right, that we, that we are born ones of God is apparent who the born ones of God are. 
Mm, mm, mm. All right, verse 10 in the New American Standard. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious by their nature. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Talking about other believers. This is written to believers in chapter 3, right? Powerful, very powerful. Wow. So let's look at this here. So before I received Jesus, Satan was my father. And I want to let you know, in case you don't know already, life is miserable when the devil is your father. It is miserable. You have no power to overcome sin. Uh, you, you Bondage hounds you. You really have no true reason that lasts for hope. You have no real peace. You can't overcome depression, anxiety, worry, fear, sickness, lack. Those things are over top of you instead of underneath you. Life has no meaning when the devil is your father. And boy, do I know that. Never going back there. On the other hand, life is off the charts when God is your father. I've done both, and there is no comparison. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to face any difficulties if God is your father. We're all living on planet Earth. But the difference is that we know who we are now. We know who we're connected to now. We have a dominating, victorious nature. Darkness is under our feet now. And regardless of what the enemy may try and bring our way, we know that our Father has already provided victory for us through Christ. We have an immovable reason for nonstop confidence and hope. It's Jesus. So it's a very different way of living. That word identity, uh, if you study the history of it, what's well, connected to identical, right? My identity. I'm identical with Jesus. It means the same. Identify is a combination of identical and a Latin verb like facere or facere. It means to make, to make the same. When I identify with Christ, I'm made the same as him. So if I'm struggling with sin as a believer, I need to identify with Christ. Jesus was tempted, wasn't he? But he didn't sin, right? Because he identified with his heavenly father. It's the victory, knowing who your father is. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 5, we're almost done, 17. So we identify with Christ, and now you and me, if you've put your faith in him, we're the same as Jesus. I mean, this is, this is blasphemy in some religious circles. This is lock them up and throw away the key stuff, right? But it's true anyway. 2 Corinthians 5.17, this is what the Bible teaches us. Therefore, if anyone, 
available to anyone, is in Christ. He is 38% new. What translation is that? It's not a translation. He is 100% a new creation. The old bye-bye. The new hello. Right? You ready for verse 21? God did this. Religion can't do this. Man can't do this. God did this. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, Zippo, to be sin for you. So that in Jesus, you might become the righteousness of God. So that in Jesus, God could become your Father. Wow. Jesus came so that we could be reborn out of death into life. You know, Adam was kind of reborn. Adam was born in life, and he was reborn into death. Kind of got it backwards, right? But we were born in death. We were born under the curse of sin. And we're reborn when we put our faith in Christ into life. Hallelujah. So we've gone from death to life, and our nature is now changed from lying to truth, from stealing to giving, from fear to faith, from cursing to blessing. It's a new nature now. It's exotic. It's out of this world. It's from God himself. Let's look at Romans 8. Romans 8. And then one more scripture and we'll be done. Romans 8. Before you get to Romans 8, go to Romans 6. I'll skip that one. Romans 6. It's our new nature. This is who you are. This is the new life God has provided for you. Extreme makeover. You audition. It's Romans 6, verse 4. Therefore, because of who Jesus is, because of what God has done through Christ, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. When did that happen? When you put your faith in Jesus. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so you and me, so we too might walk in newness of life. So from Adam's change in identity until Jesus was raised from the dead, mankind was living on earth with Satan as their father. But after Jesus rose from the dead, everyone who put their faith in him became translated, transplanted out of Satan's family into God's family so that we right now could walk in newness of life and we're doing it right now right now and the next time you're tempted by sin open up your mouth and say i'm a new creation in 
Christ Jesus. I walk in newness of life. That's not me anymore. It's not in my nature anymore. And if you keep saying that, guaranteed that sin's going to break in your life. Guaranteed. Yeah, guaranteed. It may take some time. It may take some time, but you stay with it. If you continue in my word, then you'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You keep saying it, regardless of what temptation is facing you, and you will experience the freedom that's yours. Romans chapter 8. Because of what God did through Jesus, therefore there is now no condemnation for you and me, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2 from the Living Bible, for the power of the life-giving Spirit, and this power is mine through Christ Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit is mine, it's yours. Why don't you say that? The power of the Holy Spirit is mine. Let's say it again. The power of the Holy Spirit is mine. Amen. It's mine in Christ Jesus. Has freed me from the vicious circle of sin and death. Amen. Verse 11. This is a good one. Got to have your seatbelts on for this one. If the alive and present God who has raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, when does he move in? When you put your faith in Christ, he permanently resides in you, right? God got a new address the day you received Jesus, and it's you. If the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing, identical identically the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he does in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. Woo! Delivered from hatred, delivered from hatred, delivered from unforgiveness, delivered from bitterness, delivered from anxiety. You're delivered from that dead life with His very Spirit living in you, your body as alive as Christ. Another translation says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal body by his spirit who dwells in you. Amen. So we're dead to sin and alive to God. Let's say that. I'm dead to sin and alive to God. I'm dead to sin and alive to God. So when Satan tempts you, what are you going to say? I'm dead to sin and alive to God. Amen. We're, so we're no longer sin conscious. We don't go through each day like afraid we're going to make a mistake. We're not walking on eggshells. Oh, should I do that or shouldn't I? Oh, I don't know if that's right or wrong. Oh, should, No, we're, we're caught up in Christ. We're passionately pursuing him without fear. We're running in the path of his commandments, right? Because he's covered us. There's no fear in him. 
No perfect. His perfect love has 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 uh, evicted fear from our lives forever. So we walk each day with confidence. And First John one seven. This last one. Put that one up there. I love this. If we walk in the light, who's the light? Jesus, right? As he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And look at this, the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember communion we had earlier? His son cleanses us from all sin. So I'm not focused on am I doing right, am I doing wrong. I'm focused on pleasing Jesus. I'm focused on pursuing him and, 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 I, and his blood cleanses me. Isn't that wonderful? It's a free way to live. Hallelujah. Let's do this. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to speak the word. And uh, I do this. We do this at get-togethers. We do it uh, a lot of times on Sundays. I want to encourage you to make this a practice of your life. When you learn promises like we've just learned, um, put them into a statement of faith and speak them over your life. Let's put that up there, guys, the first, uh, first slide. We're going to say this together. This is based off the scriptures we just went over. And again, on the last slide, you'll see all the scripture references underneath. You can take a picture of that on your phone and then take it home and meditate on those scriptures. All right, let's do it. Let's say it together. You ready? In faith, thank you, Father, for making me new. You have cleansed me from all my sin. The power of sin has been broken in my life. I am born of you. Woo, yeah, that's a place to shout right there. You are my identity. You have made me new in Christ. I am your child. I have your nature. I walk in newness of life. Amen. Next slide. Yeah, it's so good. Your joy is mine. Your love is mine. Your peace is mine. Your strength is mine. Your provision is mine. Your life is mine. You are my Father. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. You did it. You gave your son for us, and we're now born ones of you. Thank you for this new life. In Jesus' name, amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.